I remember when I was new in faith and I was trying to catch up as fast as I could to what it seemed like I needed to know so desperately. And they handed me a, a Bible and they told me to read the Gospel of John and I did. And, and when I finished John, I, I wept because I thought I might never read anything so beautiful again in my life. And, and, and like so many people, it, it takes longer to read the Bible than any other book. You can read a book 10 times larger but the Bible just seems to take time. And so it was about a year in, and I don't think I made it that far, but I was working my way through it. And I, I, I was hired by the community of faith that led me to Jesus as an intern. It was really a slave. And they paid me, I think, $50 a month, and they overpaid me because of my lack of skill or experience or character. And... But they invested in me and built in my life. And, and they gave me charge of a very peculiar thing. They, they, they had Wednesday night gatherings, and there were about 10 different interns, and they let me be in charge of when everyone would speak for the first time in their life. And I was one of them, so I put myself last because I was terrified to speak. When I came to faith in Jesus, I was an extreme social introvert and incredibly socially awkward and afraid of crowds and never imagined myself to ever be in front of anyone at any point in my life. And it was finally my Wednesday. I'd put it off as far as I could and, and I could feel the anxiety and fear and distress inside of me. And, and even my own family was shocked that I was even willing to stand in front of people and talk. And this woman named Barbara Price came up to me and handed me a gift. It was something she had framed and crocheted and it was a particular verse in the scriptures that I had never seen because it was in the book of Philippians and I had not made it that far. And so when I read it, it absolutely astonished me. It said this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It said, Erwin can do all things through Christ, which strengthens him. I was so excited. I was in the Bible. I could not believe it. It was the most exhilarating moment of my life and then later when I read Philippians it was very depressing <laughs> to realize that she had interjected my name where there was a pronoun I but it allowed me to read that particular declaration in a way I, I perhaps would have never seen it if I had not seen it with my name in it and so I want to take a few moments and I want to encourage you to interject your name into this declaration. Even if you do not yet believe in Jesus, even if you're here and you do not believe in God, I just want you to try it on for a moment and see if it might fit you better than you thought. Erwin can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Now, I'm going to unwrap a little bit about what this verse does not mean, but then I want us to focus on what it does mean. Because I'm convinced that God is inviting us to live beyond limits. But there's a little part of me that's always a little cynical. There's a skeptic inside of me. I know everyone says that we all have an inner heckler and we're supposed to learn how to silence our heckler, but I found my heckler to be very helpful. So whenever I read the Bible, my heckler goes crazy. You really believe this? I can show you 50 ways to prove this is not true. So my inner heckler always has the conversation before I have the conversation with you. So when it says I can do all things let me just stop there. I cannot do all things. And I added Jesus to my life and it did not change that I could not do all things. And anyone who thinks they can do all things and they think that's what this means, 
is not really thinking through all things. I know without any doubt that I'll never be a ballerina. It's just not going to happen. And there's really nothing that God can do to change that about me. And I think there's a reason for that. Because I was not designed to be a ballerina. I will never be an opera singer. Never really wanted to be one, but, but I'll never be an opera singer. I just do not have that composition. I am now convinced it's been a slow process that I will never play for an NBA basketball team. Even the Knicks. I won't even get picked up by them. So I, I can look at so many things that I will never be able to do. And if you look at those, you might actually discount what this declaration is trying to speak into your life. You see, you cannot do all things that you're not supposed to do. So the problem so oftentimes is what we want to do is what someone else is doing. That's called envy. And so if you spend your life trying to do what you were not created to do, you will never have the time to do what you were created to do. And so you'll never do what you were not created to do. And you will not do what you were created to do. So you'll do nothing. So stay with me. So I want you to be really clear. This is not a declaration that whatever you want to do, whatever just pops into your head, whatever your particular dream for this moment is, that's what you're going to do. And God's going to make it happen. I hope you've been alive long enough to know that's not what this means. But it still means all things. I can do all things. And it opens up with I, which is a little confusing if you happen to be a person of faith. Because a lot of times when you come to Jesus, people tell you, no, it's not you, it's God. In fact, I have people say that all the time. They'll do something really wonderful and I say, thank you. They go, oh, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> Looked like you. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, we completely distorted the scriptures and, and we've told each other, if it's you, it's wrong. If it's you, it's bad. It's got to be God. So everything good you do is God and everything bad you do is you. Kind of like... Not really fun to be you. But actually here it says, I can do all things. See, the scriptures are not pulling away the incredible possibility that you can do something extraordinary. In fact, what it is saying is even when you connect to Jesus, you should expect that the I will be more powerful, that you can do all things, not someone else, not God, not some ethereal magical power. You will do it. I can do all things through him. That's Jesus, by the way, through Christ. So this particular declaration has this basic assumption that what is going to come out of your life comes out of the relationship that you now have with the God who created you. That Jesus will somehow transform you to give you the strength to do all things. Now, I love the way different translations lay out the nuances I just read, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A different translation says, I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. But I really like this one. Christ gives me the strength to face anything. See, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give you the strength to face anything. But then what does that strength look like? And how do you get that strength? Because so many times we read these epic declarations and we have no idea how to actualize them in our life. 
So we, we just say them like a mantra, like a chant. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. Couldn't do that. I can do all things. I can do all. I guess Jesus wasn't with me because it didn't happen. And we don't really know how to identify if we're getting stronger. By the way, anybody go to the gym? I mean, I haven't been there in a while. I think there's like a poster of me, MIA. Have you seen this man? It's been a while, but I have to tell you, I've thought about going to the gym every day. <laughs> so I'm closer, I'm closer. But I haven't gone in, in quite a while. And, but when I go, there's all these mirrors, which are very discouraging for some of us. And, and there's always all these guys. I think it's 10 to one ratio, men in front of mirrors to women. 10 to one. And, and you think that they're there to pick you up, but I don't know how a guy could be there to pick you up because they're just looking at themselves the whole time. And, and, they're, and they're looking in that mirror. Have you ever noticed that the guys, they just get jacked? Like, you know, and, and his chest is huge and their biceps and triceps and forearms are just jacked. They may even have, a, they have a washboard. Then they have like chicken legs. I mean, their, their legs can't even support the size of their upper body. You're like, somebody hold that man up. And, and I realized because at home, all you have is a mirror that goes up to your waist. That's all you can see. And so Equinox and all these other, you know, training organizations, they, they put full length mirrors to go look at the whole thing. <laughs> but we don't. Because we want to look good. We want to look strong. And, and then I, have you ever noticed that, that these guys are like jacked, but they're, they have no backs. It's because they don't work on their backs. What's a back machine? Let me tell you, every time I go, the back machines are available. <laughs> it's all the bicep and tricep and chest and ab machines. Everybody's just crushing those. Back machines, they might as well just clear them out. Why? Because when you look in the mirror, you don't see your back. That's why they put double mirrors in those places. So you have to see your back. When you're looking at your biceps, you see your back in the other one. You go, oh, who's that? And you realize <laughs> it's you. But then you hire these trainers. You, you don't even know you hired a trainer. You thought you had a conversation with someone. Next thing you know, you have 10 sessions where you're now buddies. And, and then they start talking to you about all this mythology. You've heard it. Don't believe all the lies. It's like Roswell. The sport, the, 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 the health training Roswell is called your core. You need to work on your core. Where's my core? Show me my core and I'll work on it. Your core is in your core. So you cannot see your core. I don't believe you. I think you're trying to make me do these really horrible exercises that have no quantifiable, measurable effect on me. Let's focus on triceps. No, 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 we need to work on your core. I think the core is a great lie. It's a way of keeping you working out because you never know. <laughs> is my core ready? And every, no matter what the injury is, oh, I hurt my back, it's your core. <laughs> I, I pulled a glute, which just means you pulled your butt, right? It's like, you know, it's your core. Pull the hamstring, core. Hurt my neck, core. Everything is about your core. If you strengthen your core, it all works out. How many of us get up in the morning going, I'm gonna go work on my core today. Today is core day. <laughs> 
All these guys walking the beach, look at my core. <laughs> see, this is the problem is that we, we measure strength by what we see, not what we are. And the challenge is that we hear this verse, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, and we expect him to make us look better. But Jesus really isn't focused on making you look better. He fo he's focused on making you better. And the strength he gives is a core strength. It's found inside of your core, at the very core of who you are. So how do you measure your strength? How does Jesus give you the strength to do all things? I wanna to talk to you for a few moments about your internal world, about the self-limiting beliefs that get established inside of you that limit who you are and the life you live. And if you're here and, and You've been on a journey of faith and you've tried to do one thing after another thing. It may be that you've been working on the external visible attributes and you've never developed your spiritual core. And you thought that the strength Jesus would focus on is making you look better rather than just making you better. There are three crippling, dominating limiting beliefs that we hold that will establish the parameters of the life we live. And the first one is fear. It may be the most powerful self-limiting belief and all of us struggle with it. Even people who don't believe in God believe in fear. And I think it's fascinating because I talk to so many people who are, are atheists and agnostics and, and, and very intelligent, really thoughtful people and they'll tell me, I just, I just don't have room for faith. I believe in science, I'm an intellectual, and I just don't believe in faith. I always ask them, well, do you believe in fear? Go, oh yeah, I believe in fear. Now it's odd that, that your internal mechanism generates fear, but you don't think it can generate faith. Because fear is just the dark side of faith. See, faith is projecting into the future a better world, a better life, a better you. Faith is believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today, that you can actually do something about that. Fear is a negative projection into the future. Fear is actually an act of faith in the future that says it's all going to go bad. You know people like that? Even when things are going good, they say it's just temporary. Even when, when life is working out, you know it's not going to work out because you know better, because you're too smart. You know things are going to go wrong. Fear is just a negative projection of faith. So if you're going to actually actualize fear, why don't you just dig in there and actually pull out faith? Because your freedom is on the other side of your faith or your fear. And if you allow fear to hold you, you'll never step into freedom. Your freedom is on the other side of your fears. Everything that you fear has mastery over your life. And your fear will establish the boundaries of your freedom. So the more things you're afraid of, the fewer things will allow you to be free. And there's some of you here, you walked in and you look free, but you're actually a prisoner of your fears. I wonder what fears you walked in with that you need to walk out on. And Jesus came to destroy the self-limiting belief. That your fear is a real limitation. Your fear is not a real limitation. Now, I want to be really clear. Sometimes fear will save your life. Because danger is real, 
But fear is the emotional response. And so sometimes fear is rooted in reality, but most often it's not. Because most of our fear is a projection on a negative future. Now, if there's an angry tiger and it's loose and it's hungry and it sees you and it licks its lips and it looks at you with love in its eyes, you should have fear. Fear is a positive thing. Fear will motivate you. Fear will allow you to run faster than you've ever run in your entire life. Fear will allow you to not think about going past the person who's slower than you because you know that will make you more likely to succeed and to live. And you'll say, I'm so sorry, but you go. Because <laughs> when fear is attached to danger, it may actually save your life. But the problem, though, sometimes is that fear does not allow you to think at the highest level. And so you move into your most primal self. But when we don't have a real danger, we project danger because of fear. And there's some of you here right now, and you have so many fears in your life, and you keep wondering why you never step into your freedom. You keep wondering why this kind of declaration is never true in your life, that you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You're not even looking to do all things yet. You're just trying to do something, but you're so afraid you're a prisoner of your fears. When I was processing some of this, I, I knew right away what my first and overwhelming fear was. I was, I was terrified of speaking publicly. And, and everyone who knew me was terrified of me speaking publicly. <laughs> I, I, had, I had stage fright. I would just sweat profusely. I would be in the bathroom 10, 15 times before I spoke. Now I'm down to five. I, after I would speak, I would feel so much embarrassment and shame, I would go hide in a room because I didn't want anyone to see me. And, and there was nothing inside of me that wanted to stand on a platform. Not because I didn't want to make a difference in the world, but because I didn't want to live a life of humiliation. And that fear was limiting my life. Because whenever you're afraid, you do not have the courage to step into the transition, into the process to step into your freedom. And there has to come a point in your life where you realize if you keep running away from what you're afraid of, you're building a smaller and smaller and smaller cage for yourself. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give you the courage, the internal structure to live a courageous life. So that when you are afraid, you look at that fear and you realize that your freedom is on the other side and you don't run from that fear. You run into it. You step through it and you realize it's a false boundary in your life. You've convinced yourself it limits you, but it cannot stop you. What are you afraid of right now? What are the fears that imprison you right now? What's your strategy to find freedom from that fear. Because that's why Jesus came, to create in you the internal structures to live the life God created you to live, to give you the strength to overcome your fears. Now, what happens so oftentimes is that when we're stepping into our fears, our fears become reality. We step into something, we think, I knew that was gonna happen. Do you ever, you ever just finally convince yourself? I know it's going to go bad. I know it's going to go bad, but I'm going to try it. They told me to step into my fears, and everything you thought was going to go wrong went wrong. 
See, stepping into your fears doesn't eliminate the reality of what you might have been afraid of. But it allows you to step into it and to see it for what it really is. What fear does is it creates three different responses to the future. Paralysis, procrastination, and paranoia. There's some of you here and you're paralyzed because you don't know what the right choice is. You don't know what the best choice is. You don't know what the sure choice is, so you don't make any choice at all. See, you're so afraid to make a choice that doesn't bring you success that you make no choice and it guarantees you will not experience success. And what's so frustrating sometimes is that as you're stepping into that freedom, your fears become a reality. And so they reinforce it. So you step back and go, I knew it, I knew it. I knew everything would go wrong. Rather than realizing that stepping into your fears may actually, for the first time in your life, allow you to see that what you're afraid of is not as big as you thought. It does not have the power to control you. It does not have the power to confine you. And if you are paralyzed right now, you know what, you know what paralyzed people do? They always critique other people. Paralyzed people are always critiquing other people who are failing. They critique other people who make the wrong choice. They make the wrong decision. They have the wrong idea. You ever just sit around and go, yeah, you see, I knew that wouldn't work. You see, I knew that wasn't a great idea. You know, the reason you can do that is because you're doing nothing. Because you think that successful people always make the right choice. Successful people do not always make the right choice. See, successful people make the wrong choice and another wrong choice and another wrong choice and they just keep moving forward through their fear. And you can look at them and use it as your validation that you should not try. But it'll be your validation that you'll never live the life you're created to live. Some of us are paralyzed, but others experience procrastination, not just paralysis. I'm supposed to be writing a book right now, and I just put it off and put it off and put it off. You know why we procrastinate? It's not just because we're lazy. We want to give ourselves a valid reason for failure. So when we're afraid, we procrastinate because we do not want to step into our fears. There's some of you, you've been talking about doing things for years. You've been talking about the choices you're going to make. You've been talking about the life you're going to live. You're, you've been talking about the risks you're going to take, and that's all you do is talk. See, I, I know so many big dreamers. This is, this is a, a, a city filled with big dreamers all over the planet, big dreamers. Let me tell you, if you have big dreams and no courage, you will have no future. Because when you have big dreams, if you do not have the courage to back those dreams up, they'll just be fantasies all your life. And you'll blame God. God, I had this huge dream, but you never made it a reality. And God says, it's because you never had the courage to take the risks that would create that dream. It's because you procrastinated. Some of you are going to die, and you're still procrastinating. And then you become paranoid. See, when you are afraid, you are not driven by love because perfect love casts out all fear. And, and so when you are free of fear, you're able to celebrate other people. But when you are driven by fear, you think everyone's against you. Everyone's holding you back. And, and in fact, you blame everyone else for the reason that your life is not making progress. But it's all internal. 
It's a self-limiting belief that your fear is the boundary. But the moment you realize that your freedom is on the other side of your fears, you'll begin to live the life that God created you to live. And Jesus will give you the strength to step through those fears. The second self-limiting belief is pain. See, pain creates a false boundary from which we think we cannot step past. So pain will make you experience life smaller and smaller and smaller. And I'm not talking about physical pain, although physical pain is a part of it. It's extraordinary to me how two people can have the same injury, physical injury, and recover completely differently. I've talked to surgeons who, who've operated on world-class athletes, and I'll ask them, what's the range of healing from this surgery? And they've told me three months to two years to never. I said, I said how is that possible for the exact same injury that suggests? They said, it's the internal mindset of the person who's been injured. So there are people coming here with this injury and they recover in three months and they're back on the court. There are some, it takes them up to two years to recover and they never quite regain their same level of play. And there are others who never recover because the pain of recovery became the boundary of their greatness. Because in the same way that your freedom is on the other side of your fears, your greatness is on the other side of your pain. I, I, I have a hard time with it sometimes because, you know, I play ball with all these young guys and I cannot tell you all the injuries that people have. <laughs> I broke my ribs. Really, bro? You, you broke your ribs? Yeah, yeah. He went by and grazed me and, you know, I broke my ribs and other people go down and like they have to carry them off. What happened? I broke my leg. Like, there's no compound fracture. If you can't see the bone, you can come back in. You know, you're going to make the numbers odd. We need you for this game. And they're like, oh, no. And I, I know, I know, I'm cynical. I just turn around and go, nothing's broken. Go to the doctor. He'll confirm it. You're, you're broken. But the, but, the, but the bone isn't broken. Pain has taught you a lesson that this is your limitation. But most of us are not limited by physical pain. We're limited by emotional pain, relational pain, psychological pain. It's the internal structure of the pain we've experienced throughout our lives that limit our ability to live life to the fullest. So some of you have experienced pain because you love someone and it didn't go well. So now you're afraid to love again. You trusted someone and they betrayed you and it was too much pain, so you'll never trust again. Some of you have, have put your faith in God and something went bad in your life. Something left you devastated, and so you can't trust God again. And I want you to understand that that's real pain, but it's not a real boundary. And if you want to step into greatness, and there's so much conversation about greatness, but what no one tells you is that your greatness is on the other side of your pain. See, I think a lot of us have thought, oh, if I can find what I'm great at, I can avoid pain. Because if I'm great at it, it shouldn't hurt, right? And that's why we envy other people, because we see their greatness, but we don't see their struggle. Yeah. See, we, we, we see their greatness, but we don't see their sacrifices. We go, I want to do that, because that looks easier than this. But let me tell you, as long as you allow pain to be a self-limiting belief, you will never actualize the greatness that's inside of you. And I'm convinced there's greatness inside of everyone. 
But that greatness may lay dormant all of your life because you simply will not step through the pain. And the same way that God reestablishes a structure in us and gives us courage to step through our fear, God will give you determination to step through your pain. I remember when Mariah was young and first stepped into leading here. And she would talk to very talented people and then have conversations with them and say, you know, you should get voice lessons. And I'm sure she said it in a very kind and diplomatic way and, and said, you know, it'd be really great if you got some voice lessons. She would tell me almost every time the people would be insulted. Like, who does she think I need voice lessons? What was amazing to me is that Mariah was clearly more talented than them and she was going to voice lessons. Mariah always went to voice lessons. And I thought it was so interesting because as I started noticing the more talented people were, the more they went after a teacher, after a mentor. The less talented someone was, the harder it was to convince them that they should get someone to mentor or teach them. Because you see, when you have a voice teacher, you're paying someone your money to tell you everything that's wrong about you. <laughs> Think about that. You're paying someone money to critique you. Most of us spend our entire lives surrounding ourselves with people who only tell us what's awesome about us. And if someone critiques us, if someone tells us the truth, if someone speaks into our life, we eliminate them from our circle because you can't trust them. How many of us here right now actually need to hire someone to tell us the truth? Because if you want to achieve greatness then you want that input in your life. You want that critique in your life. You don't want people just telling you how awesome you are. You want people to tell you what you need to do to become awesome. And, and pain can be an incredible learning tool. Uh, you, you know how you can be a little kid and you see a fireplace and the fire looks so awesome. But your parents are always trying to keep you from the things that really matter, things that you would enjoy so much, you know, just trying to suck the life out of life. And so you're about to put your hand in that fire and your mom goes, no, don't do that. She's reprimanding you for curiosity, for exploration, for investigation. And she doesn't understand your genius. And, and, and she goes, don't do that. And so you, 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 uh, you comply, but you do not really agree. So the moment she leaves, you wander over to the fire and you put your hand in it. Ah! Why'd she let, let me do that? Why wasn't she here? It's because you needed the pain to teach you to think at a higher level. But I hear this all the time. I know, I know, I know, I know you're giving me counsel. I know you're giving me advice. I know you're giving me your wisdom, but you know, I just got to experience it for myself. You ever heard that? You know, I just, I just got to do this myself. You do not understand the genius of having siblings. <laughs> if you just happen to be the older brother, which I was not. See, the older brother goes, come here, come here, buddy. Look at that fire. It looks so good, right? Look how it's dancing. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking about putting my hand in it to see how it feels, but I'm going to let you do it because I love you. I'm your big brother, and I just want you to have this experience. And, Ah! And then you go, oh, noted, noted. And uh, pain is involved. And 
You see, if you can't learn from someone else, that's actually called stupidity. <laughs> if you have to experience everything for yourself, it means that you have a limitation in your capacity to learn. See, I would rather learn through the destructive choices of other people. Well, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Don't need to jump off that building. Don't need to drive with my eyes closed. There's just so many things you can just learn from other people. Don't eat truffles. So, you know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> or not all mushrooms are truffles. Uh, and you can learn from other people's decisions and choices and actions, but the power of pain is in the wisdom of knowing how to step through it, what pain you need to avoid and what pain you need to step into. There's no one who has ever achieved greatness that has not embraced pain. And the strange thing about world-class athletes is that they end up almost like being addicted to pain. They love pain. I have not had the most productive three months in the scale of my health journey. I haven't been to the gym in so long. I've driven by. Again, I've thought about it on a daily basis. I, I, I've had days I almost made it. Days I actually threw on my, like, my, my workout clothes and, and then ate donuts and, uh, and, uh, or got a pizza or, oh, I've been into ice cream sandwiches. And, and I just keep thinking to myself, why do planks when I could be eating ice cream sandwiches? It just, they're just bringing me so much more joy right now in my life. And because you know what drives me crazy about greatness? It's not, it doesn't sustain itself. Atrophy does fine without you paying attention to it. Because let me tell you something. Around 2008, I was like lean. I looked good. 2000, maybe like 2012, 13, I was, I was doing really well. Now, I worked out all the time. I, 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 I sacrificed all the things I wanted to eat. I exercised all the time. I was in the gym. I had a trainer. I, I did all that hard work. And look at me now. I'm like, why did it not sustain? Why did that moment of greatness not hold me for the rest of my life? I should never have to work out again. I should be able to die jacked and lean because of what I did 10 years ago. But it doesn't work like that, does it? But honestly, if you're like fat five years ago, there's a good chance you're still fat. Because everything that makes you the lesser you, you don't have to work to change. You just stay that way. But if you want to become the higher you, you have to work at it every single day. The greatness you had in the past does not ensure the greatness that you need today. And the greatness that you need today will not ensure the greatness you'll need tomorrow. Because every single day has to be a choice to be great to be your best, to go through the pain, the sacrifice, the suffering, the determination, whatever you need to do to actualize the greatness inside of you. And if you're not willing to get up every single day and make the choices to activate the gifts and talents, the intelligence, the potential that God has placed in you, do not blame God because you live an average life. That greatness was waiting for you to get up every day and say, I choose to step into this.
And the third self-limiting belief beyond fear is your freedom is on the other side of your fear. And pain, because your greatness is on the other side of your pain, is failure. See, when you finally break through that fear barrier and you realize, oh, this is just a, a self-limiting belief. It's not real. I, I can step through my fears into my freedom. And the moment you break through and realize, oh, it feels like I'm at my limit. By the way, all the psychological assessments tell us that, that when we think we've endured all the pain we, ha- we can, we're only like at 30%. That we could endure so much more. And when you break through that pain barrier and you realize that, that pain is a part of the discipline and sacrifice of actualizing the greatness that God's placed inside of you, you might think to yourself, now I'll never fail. No, now you're finally in the position to fail well. See, I, I, I would love to tell you, oh, you break through this fear barrier and you break through this pain barrier. Now you've got it. You're going to succeed. It's going to be awesome. But it's more likely that you're going to have a huge failure because it's the first time you've lived at that level and you're going to have to get used to it. By the way, isn't the frustrating when it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So you go, okay, it's Christ who's strengthening me. So I need Christ to live at this high level because he gives me this internal structure for strength. But have you ever just looked at the world and thought to yourself, why are people without God doing better than me? Oh, there's my heckler. Come on, let's be really honest. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but people who do not believe in God are, are like, they're just crushing. It's so frustrating, Right? They're making more money than you and me. They're more successful than you and me. They're more famous than you and me. They have everything we want. But we're supposed to pretend that they're not more successful than us. And we're supposed to pretend we don't want their life or don't want their success or don't want their fame or don't want their skills. But the reality is that humans are designed in such an incredible way that even when you don't believe in God, you can do incredible things. So let's just accept that. See, even if you don't believe in God, there's still an incredible amount of potential in you. But you know that guy who's saying, I'm crushing it? He's going to get crushed by it too. You see, what you have to realize is that, that when Jesus strengthens you from the inside out, he's not trying to make sure you never fail again. Because again, he's far more interested in who you're becoming than what you're accomplishing. And he's not trying to get you to be as successful as that person without God so that you can prove that God is awesome. He's not trying to get you as rich as that person without God so you can prove that, that God wins. You see, God does not need you and me to compete with everyone else to prove he's who he is. What you need to realize is that God's focus is on strengthening you from the inside out so that you can be the kind of person that whatever you step into, you will have the strength to bear it, to endure it, and to carry it. And so whether it's success or failure. I think a lot of times we think we have to get strong enough to bear failure, but really it takes a lot more strength to bear success. And I want you to come to the end of your life going, I have lived a full life. And all the success and all the wealth and all the fame and all the power and all the accolades and all the stuff in this life that you've ever attained will be meaningless in comparison to the person you've become and the world you've created because of the world inside of you. But you need to realize that failure is never the end of the story, that that your future is on the other side of your failures. And if you spend your life trying to avoid failure, you're going to actually spend your life avoiding your future. 
See, if you're afraid to fail, you're actually afraid to live. And if you think that Jesus has the strategy where you're never going to fail, you do not understand Jesus. Because I can tell you, having been a follower of Jesus for over 40 years now, he seems to be really comfortable with my failure. In fact, there have been times that, okay, this is the moment where you show up. I put all my confidence in you, all my trust in you. I'm walking with you. Nothing. See, I want you to understand that sometimes God just lets you sit in your failure. Because that failure becomes the material that God uses to create your future. I started thinking, what what is the greatest accomplishment of my life? And my greatest accomplishment is so clear to me. It's being married to my wife, Kim, for 36 years. It is the greatest accomplishment of my life. But I want you to know, getting married, I was full of fear. I was full of fear up to the day we got married. Because I didn't know if I could be the kind of man that stayed true. I had never seen a marriage succeed. All I knew was a world of divorce and brokenness. I was afraid I could not be enough. I had to step into that fear to step into my love. And we've been married for 36 years. And I can tell you, it has not been absent of pain. I have caused Kim so much pain. Even today, I'm still good at it. (laughs) And if Kim had decided to live a pain-free life, she could have bailed a long time ago. But our greatest accomplishment could not be accomplished without pain. And so I'm so grateful that all the times I caused her pain that she decided to lean into that pain and believe that our greatness was on the other side of it. And I can tell you there have been a few times in our marriage where it's been really painful for me to be married. Way long time ago. (laughs) Very rarely and always my fault. But there have been times where it's been painful and it, it... and, and, and frankly, there were times I just, I, I had thoughts. I thought, you know, this is too hard. This is tough. And it would have been so easy to convince myself that I shouldn't have to ever experience pain in a relationship. And what really struck me is this week I was at a meeting over at CAA, and we're working on this television project. And, and, and the person from CAA, after about an hour, just looked at me and said, So, are you married? You have kids. I said, yeah, I'm married to my wife, Kim, and I have a son named Aaron and a daughter named Mariah, and she's married. Her husband's name is Jake. And, and, and then she stops. She goes, um, uh, same wife? I thought, what an odd question at CAA. <laughs> same wife? I said, same wife for 36 years. And she smiled. She goes, that's wonderful. I could have explained, same wife, but 36 different women. It, it, you know, she's like... <laughs> She's changed every single year. So I, I, I have not been married to technically the same woman for 36 years because she just keeps becoming someone else. And, and I'm looking forward to meeting her in 2020. <laughs> See, a lot of people think that they're great lovers because of how many people, quote, they loved. But you're just like a rock skipping on the surface of an ocean. When you've loved for 40 years one person, then you can talk to me about how deep you know the power of love. And 
But we've had so many failures together. And most of them have been mine, and she's had to endure them with me. Over the past few months, she's, she's cried a lot. She's cried a lot. And, 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 and she's cried because of Hollywood. See, I'm standing at the intersection of the greatest success, the most important accomplishment outside of my marriage and my family, of my life. I'm standing at the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and La Brea, where thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of you have had a life-changing encounter with the God who created you, who've put your trust in Jesus and found that his words are true, who found healing and hope. And for me, this, this spot will always carry the memory of every single one of you. I'm standing and reveling in the greatest accomplishment of my work life. But it's also the epicenter of my greatest failure. It's kind of unavoidable. A year ago, I said, let's buy this property. We have the opportunity to buy this property. It's going to cost $20 million. $20 million is a lot to me, but nothing to God. Let's all do this together. Over 6,000 of us gave together. We went public, did a GoFundMe, get, got the message out to the whole world. And, and then when we came down to it, we didn't even get close. And, and as I kept working with it and working with it, thinking, there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way, there's got to be a way. Because I, I don't give in to failure easy. When I fail, I've given it everything. And you know how, you know how we do this like little, little loophole thing? I, I didn't really care about it. I didn't really try. Well, you know, I, there's, I, 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 there's, that was plan B. No. In fact, I've had so many people talk to me, try to console me or ask me deeper questions. And one person came to me and said, yeah, but you didn't really want the property, right? Well, no, no, I, I really did. And, and yeah, but really, like deep down inside, you didn't really want to go. Yeah, no, I did. I just checked. I really, really <laughs> wanted this property. And, and then I and then get another conversation. They go, yeah, 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 but like, you're, aren't you relieved? Aren't you relieved that, that you didn't get it? No, no, I'm not, I'm not relieved. I'm disappointed. Now, I think that, that relief feels different than what I'm feeling. See, everyone wants to write, and then people, oh, well, you know, if you didn't get this property, God has a better one to have. That's the way we, 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 it's our spin. It's our faith spin. How about, this is an awesome property, an incredible intersection, one of the most influential intersections on the entire planet, that 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, when there's no church here, it will actually have made a significant difference. There will be a vacuum in the culture of Hollywood, and I did everything I knew how to do. See, sometimes you go, oh, well, you know, I wasn't that invested. No, I gave everything I, I, I had. I, I made every choice I thought I, I should make. I, 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 I had conversations I didn't think I would ever have. I learned skills I had never gained. And by the way, I've grown so much. Nothing grows you like failure, let me tell you. But I'm standing at the epicenter of my greatest failure, and I'm not going to write it off as it wasn't really a failure. See, I'm going to stand in it. This was the greatest failure of my life, and I'm going to wear it like my ass on my Superman costume. Because I want to stand here and let you know that failure cannot steal from you your future. We need to stop acting like we're too weak to fail. We're too fragile to fail. 
Because if you do not find the strength to fail, you will never step into your biggest life. Because your future is on the other side of your failures. And by the way, the only people who will critique you and criticize you and condemn you when you fail are the people who have never had the courage to try. Because everyone who succeeds in life, they've failed. And when they see you failing, they have a, just a cold respect for you. Because they know the courage and determination and resilience it took to step into that possibility. And by the way, if you're going to fail, do it like this. Big. <laughs> bold. Public. Undeniable. And then suck it up. Don't blame anyone else. Take it on yourself. And go, now watch me get up. Because if you're impressed with the mythology of the phoenix, you're going to be just absolutely blown away by the future I'm stepping into. And some of you, some of you, you're just so young in your journey. And you think you've had your greatest failure. You just have little baby failures. You just have warm-up failures. Some of you, you're trying so hard to get your 20s perfect. You're missing out on the decade where you get to fail all the time. And no one will remember it one day because it's say you were in your 20s. And somehow, in the midst of all those failures, something's going to break through. And you're going to look like a genius. Because no one will remember your thousand failures. You're just going to remember that one success. Jesus wants you to live beyond limits. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everything I was created to do, I can do. Whatever was placed within me with intention and purpose, it has been given to me as a gift, but it's up to me to actualize it and to live it out. I want you to know, inside of you, there's an eternity of talent. There's an eternity of gifting. You have everything within you to become everything that God imagined you to become. But you have to attack those self-limiting beliefs and allow Jesus to strengthen you at your core. Fear can no longer hold you. Your pain will not limit you. Failure will never define you because you, you have the strength and you know that your freedom is on the other side of your fear and your greatness is on the other side of your pain and your future is on the other side of your failure. But I don't want you to miss through him. Everything you accomplish in your life everything you're capable of. There is a you that you will never know if you're not connected to the God who created you. There's a strength that only Jesus can give you that will make sure that while you're crushing it, you're not crushed by it. You were never created or designed to live your life disconnected from God. And when you trust your life to Jesus, it reconnects you to the source of your strength. Without Jesus, no matter what you do, 
you'll never have that core strength. He becomes the core and everything flows out of him. And it's a new you. You just take a moment and just bow your heads with me. Just close your eyes. You may be here in this moment and you're just tired of doing this alone. No one else sees the struggle, the battle inside of you, but you know it's there. You need the strength that only Jesus can give. And you're not embarrassed or ashamed anymore. You're ready to own that, that you need God. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago so that you could live. He will be your strength. But you have to give him your weakness. You have to decide to cross the line of faith, to put your trust in him, to give your life to him completely without reservation. If you're here in this moment and you're ready to entrust your life to Jesus, I want to lead you in a simple prayer, just one sentence, where you can open your life to Jesus and give your life to him. Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Right now, just tell him, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. If this is your prayer, this is your moment. If you just cross the line of faith and said, Jesus, I give you my life, I want to pray for you. And in this moment, I want you to break through all the false barriers that keep you from the life God created you to live. And I want you in this moment to find the courage and the resolve and the resilience and the strength right now just to raise your hand and say, and say, I have given my life to Jesus. I just prayed that prayer. I just said, Jesus, I give you my life. Right now, if that's you, I just want you to hold your hand up high. If that's you, Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful, beautiful. Right now, without hesitation, Jesus, I give you my life. Just hold it up high. Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful, wonderful. Anyone else? Beautiful. Anyone else? Jesus, I give you my life. Beautiful. Father, I pray for the women and men who in this moment have opened up their lives to you, have crossed that line of faith and have whispered this prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. This declaration to open their, their life, their soul, their heart to you and to receive your life in them. I pray, God, you would just wrap them up in your love. Just let them know that they belong to you that you live within them, that you've come to dwell in them, that you will never leave them or abandon them. And I pray, God, that your strength would become their new reality, that you would change the internal structures of who they are so that fear and pain and failure can no longer hold them. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just thank God for all those who just responded to him? Say this with me. Just repeat after me. Stand with me. Jesus gives me the strength to face anything. 
Let's try it again. Jesus, Jesus. Gives, me the strength gives me the strength to face anything. Face anything. Now let's try it the other way. I can, I can do all things, do all things. Through, him through Him who strengthens me. One more time like you mean it. I can, I can do all things, do all things. Through, him through Him who strengthens me. Now let's go live it out. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received, allow it to go deeply into your soul, to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only He can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic, to go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation, to become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you.